The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, Fierce Writers. Today's guest is Valencia Robin. She's a poet and visual artist. Her first collection of poems, Ridiculous Light, won Persia Books' Lexi Rudnitsky First Book Prize and was a finalist for the Kate Tufts Discovery Award and was named one of Library Journal's Best Poetry Books of 2019. A co-director of the UVA Young Writers Workshop, she holds an MFA in Creative Writing from the University of Virginia and an MFA in Art and Design from the University of Michigan. Welcome to the show, Valencia. Thank you, Sarah. I've been looking forward to this. Valencia, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? Well, first I have to say that conditions are typically not ideal. Um, A lot of the poems in my first book were written during lunch breaks at work and in the evening after work. But in terms of what's ideal, I'm most creative in the morning before there are any other voices in my head whether other people or emails or whatever, that's when new poems most often come to me. And if I'm revising a poem and I'm searching for, say, a better line or word, it will most often come to me first thing in the morning too. In fact, because I know I'm most creative when I first wake up, if I'm having a hard time with a poem, I'll often reread it just before going to bed. And 99% of the time, The line I've been looking for will be waiting for me in the morning, which is nice. And I I take advantage of that as much as possible. Other than that, what's most ideal, I think, is knowing that I have an extended amount of time to write, whether it's the entire day, even better, the entire weekend. You know, just knowing that there's nothing else on my plate puts me in a creative space. Why do you write? I write for multiple reasons. My early poems often came out of a real need to unpack an experience or situation, you know, to to figure out how I felt about it. And I, I used to think that I needed to know the answer to a situation before I could write a poem about it. But then I discovered that if I knew the answer already, it typically wasn't going to be a very good poem. So it turns out that the best poems for me come out of not knowing come out of the struggle of figuring out how to frame an experience. Mm. But I also write because I actually enjoy writing. Even when a poem isn't going well, 
even when I'm ready to scream, there's a part of me that loves that struggle, you know, loves turning the chaos I'm feeling into some sort of order, which wasn't true so much when I first started writing poems. But I think the difference now is that I trust the process. With my first poems, I did a lot of flailing around, if only because I didn't know what I was doing. So the struggle was a little more painful back then. And it's not that my poems come any easier or faster these days, but trusting the process means that I know that if I just keep trying, the poem will come. And then finally, I have to say that writing is a kind of spiritual practice for me. It's, it's how I connect to myself. It gives my life purpose and meaning. And I just feel just really lucky to have something like poetry that just never gets dull or boring. There's always a new poet that I've never read. There's always a new idea or experience that I want to capture in a poem. So I'm, I'm just really grateful for that. What are your best writing tips? I think the most important thing a new writer can do after establishing a consistent writing practice, that is a ritual of writing on a consistent basis, is to have a writing group. One or two other serious poets that you share your writing with. And, it, and it's not just about community. Although having people who are reading and writing in the genre you write in is important. But what's really great about a writing group, at least for me, is that it means I have to have a poem ready to show my group every week. Mm. Yeah, you know, and and no matter how disciplined you are, it's great to have that added layer of pressure, especially when you have certain goals you're trying to meet. Like right now, I really want to write at least one poem a week. And so my writing group really helps me do that. Also, of course, having a writing group means that you've got two really well-read people. For me, it's two, could be more, who can help you see why your poem isn't working, which I think is just an incredible gift. And then finally, having a writer's group really pushes me to up my game because, you know, I want to impress these two people and I certainly don't want to waste their time. So having a writer's group is a way to kind of trick myself into working harder than I might otherwise. And the result of that is that I'm often able to turn a just okay poem into a poem that really surprises me, into a poem that I'm, that I'm really proud of. What are your suggestions for someone trying to overcome a block? Block, yeah, the dreaded block. I guess it depends on what kind of block you're talking about. If it's a new writer who hasn't found success with their writing yet, um, even though they've given it a lot of time and effort, I think it might be helpful to try writing in another genre. And I say that because I spent years trying to write fiction only to discover that I was a poet. Wow. Yeah. And I don't think that's so unusual for artists and writers. There, there are a lot of stories about well-known artists of every stripe who were having very little success in one art form and then tried another art form and almost immediately found their voice. So that's the advice I would give to new writers who are feeling blocked um, because they, they, they're either not getting anywhere with their writing or because for whatever reason, their writing is, is just not giving them any joy anymore. Mm. Because maybe it's not their writing, you know, maybe it's the form. And, you know, what I wouldn't have given for somebody to tell me that back when I was killing myself trying to write scene and dialogue, which 
I, you know, I really have no interest in whatsoever. If you're not a new writer, if you're someone who has found success with your genre and you're feeling blocked because you're, say, in that sort of in-between stage where you just finished a book and you don't have an idea for a new book yet, I suggest taking your mind off your writing altogether. I'm, I'm also a painter, and I actually started painting because I needed to take a break from my writing. And now I switch back and forth between the two because I love them both and because it means I always have a creative project going. And I think that's really important because the difficult thing about being blocked is that most artists and writers just aren't happy unless they're making something. Mm. So having another creative outlet goes a long way in just alleviating that pain. Meanwhile, you know, what I found is that having my painting feeds my poetry. You know, even though they're two very different art forms that require two very different ways of thinking, I go so far as to say that being a painter painter has made me a better poet and being a poet makes me a better painter. So yeah, I, I really urge poets and writers who are feeling blocked to let themselves try some new art form. And it, it doesn't have to be something that become that you, you know, that you start to do on a professional level. Um, you know, just see it as a kind of play. I mean, there's there's something about being a beginner that can be really fun. And anything that's fun and that's generating new experiences is going to be beneficial for your writing process. What about editing and revising tips? For me, writing is all about rewriting. And unless a poem falls into my lap, which rare, which you know rarely happens, I actually enjoy revising more so than writing the first draft. And I wonder if that comes in part from being a painter. Because revising my poems, if I make a wrong move, I can always go back to an earlier draft. But with the painting, once you've painted over the painting, it's gone. Mm. You're never getting to that early, earlier version, right? So I think for that reason, revising my poems is a kind of painless process for me. For a lot of people, it, it's really difficult for them to change what they've already written. But for me, I'm thinking, well, I, I've got that. And if, if I want to go back to it, I always can. So what's the problem? Um, but back to your question, the advice. Um, the advice I'm trying to follow these days in terms of revising is to challenge myself by trying new ways of writing. Um, perhaps try some new poetic form or some particular device or strategy that I admire in another poet's work. And I think those challenges, whether I'm successful at pulling them off or not, really help sharpen my writing skills and push my poems in new directions that I wouldn't have taken otherwise. Can you estimate your submission to publication ratio? What I can say about submitting poems to journals is that Thank goodness <laughs> my poems started getting accepted more after my book came out and much, much more once the book started getting noticed in terms of reviews and in terms of being non nominated for the, for the Kate Tufts Award. And then what helped even more was when one of the poems in the book made it into the New York Times as well as Poetry Daily, both of which 
of course, have these huge readerships. So that one poem really opened things up for me. Wow. Yeah. And I had no idea. You know, I received poetry daily, you know, in my email every day, but it just never occurred to me how big the readership was. And I mean, so many people wrote into me, just created a real buzz around my work. And that's just made a huge difference in terms of getting poems into journals. Who are some other women writers that we should be reading right now? Thanks to the poet Timothy Liu, I'm reading Linda Gregg for the first time. I heard him talking about her work on another podcast, and I immediately ordered her selected poems. And I have become such a fan. She has such a beautiful and singular voice. I mean, it's just, you know, she passed away last year. And so it's like, I want, I'm just telling everybody (laughs) about her poems. They are just so gorgeous. Hmm. Other than that, you know, I just started teaching a class online to a group of high schoolers, all young women, which meant that I had to put together a reading list. So most of the poets I've been reading for the last month are the sort of seminal poets that I want to introduce my students to. Mm. So for any new poets out there listening, um, you know, just to say they should definitely check out some of my well-known favorites like Rita Dove and Naomi Shihab Nye and Joy Harjo and Sharon Olds, but also younger poets like Natasha Trethewey and Brenda Shaughnessy and Gabrielle Cavacoresi and Natalie Diaz folks who I think have really pushed poetry forward as an art form. And where can listeners find you online? They can go to my website, ValenciaRobin.com, or they can friend me on Facebook, or they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I think my Facebook name is Valencia Robin. My Twitter name is Valencia Robin one <laughs> And my Instagram name is it's Valencia Robin. Yep. Easy to find. Valencia, would you read some of your work for us now? I'd love to. Thank you. The title of this first poem is Dutch Elm Disease. When Danny Johnson's big brother was killed in Vietnam, Danny ran around the block five times. I counted. Ran as if when he stopped, his brother would be back in their driveway washing his car. But nobody knew anything about time travel back then. Star Trek hadn't even come out. Lieutenant Uhura still on Broadway doing blues for Mr. Charlie. And even if Danny did understand the space-time continuum, his parents weren't having it. His mother on the porch yelling his name, his father tackling him on the front lawn, all us kids, the whole block standing there on pause, which didn't exist either. No fast-forward, no reverse. We weren't even black yet. Was Milwaukee even Milwaukee? Is the Lincoln Park Bridge still there? Do boys like Danny still climb over the rail, hug their bony knees to their narrow chest, and plop into the river as if there's no way his parents could lose two children? Which is all I know about Vietnam. That and the way the sun hung in the faded sky as Danny ran around and around and held the air hostage. That and the way the thick August air ignored the leaves of all our doomed elm trees and let itself be held hostage. The streets were like ghosts when they cut down those trees. 
The next poem has an epigraph. It's a lyric from a Phoebe Snow song. Can the thirsty stay sane after what they've seen? Intermezzo. Sometimes you hear a song like her song that fits like a ripe plum in your hand. The sweet flesh and tart skin of her voice simply what it is. Like tall grass gone to flower, the simplest of yellows. Or the right man opening a jar and handing it back to you, smiling. The jar holding something you'd almost forgotten. And then the final poem is called Geese. When your father isn't a father, but an absence and whatever brings it to your mind, say some famous TV father or the dying dad of a friend or all the old anger at your mother for never talking about the man, that catastrophe of silence, so much you'll never know about her because she never gave you permission to ask about him. This occurs to you as you sit gazing out your living room window at a flock of geese. The geese arrived this morning, hungry, are grazing on the marshy lawn like sheep. And when one of your neighbors buzzes someone into the building, and they all look up at once. Talk about unnerving, dozens of little heads turning toward you suddenly, the dark lines of their long necks slicing the air above their squat, awkward bodies. It's one of those moments that makes you wonder what geese are, or trees, the crab apples staining the pavement, the sky's persistent gray. So much you take for granted, this planet, it's constant revolution around a ball of fire, for goodness sake. Divine science or miraculous accident. Infinite space brimming with hundreds of millions of voices whispering, Father, where are you? Mama, why won't you talk to me? And then a question that ushers you back to the present. Where do geese go when they die? because there are dozens of geese out there every day, year after year, yet you've never seen a dead goose. Do other animals eat them, carry them off to some secret place, and why now are they running in mass toward the river's edge, beating their wings, their wild honks breaking open the day, and your heart a goose? Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Valencia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a lot of fun. Now it's time for our writing prompt. I suggest setting a timer for six or eight minutes, putting Valencia's writing prompt at the top of your page, in free writing, whatever comes to mind. Remember, the important part is to keep your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. My prompt is based on the last poem I read, Geese, which if you saw it in my book, you'd see it has really long lines. And so the prompt is simply to write a poem where the lines go from one margin to the other. If you've never written a poem with long lines before, you'll discover that it really changes the way you write and think. 
There's something about letting yourself just keep going across the page that causes your mind to slow down. And what you'll find is that you'll start to do things inside the line that you may not have done otherwise. You'll find yourself pausing to say things and to make interesting asides. And I think poets will be surprised to find themselves writing a very different kind of poem from what they typically write. Some of my favorite episodes are the ones where we hear from writers who also have other creative outlets. This week, Valencia Robbins said that because she's also a painter, she can always have a project going and can toggle between writing and painting and let one generate creative energy for the other. I'm kind of like that with playing the ukulele. When I take a break from writing and play music, I feel completely energized and ready to return to the page. Do you have another creative pursuit or several that can do this for you? I loved when Valencia Robbins said that being part of a writing group, even a small one, helps her turn an okay poem into a good one. That needing to create a new poem for the group every week and wanting to impress the people she writes with improves her creative process. How's your writing going lately? Have you been making anything new? If you've created anything that you're ready to submit, please send it to the anthology of pandemic writing and art that I'm editing with the poet Anne Hagerty Davenport. You can find us at terrapredareview.org. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and you've been listening to Fierce Women Writing. I'll be back next week with Amy Liu, who will be sharing her new novel, Glorious Boy. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at fiercewomenwriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at fiercewomenwriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening.